Henry, you managed to play some games or like just chill? We played Wild Rift quite a bit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're still counting on that, huh? It's the it's the it's the excitement that I don't have to set up and turn on the whole computer and wait for everything yeah. to start running and getting into queue. And this one is just a click on the phone and a game before bed and a game. Yeah, doing yeah. They have it simple and fast. They have the ranking system as well, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. They have ranked as well. It's quite expensive the way that they've put the what they've put into the games, and it's almost. I think almost once a month or once every two weeks, there's always new characters being added into the games. Oh, okay. How many characters are there now, actually? Now, oh, I'm not sure. I would say probably about thirty. Character list. They just launched one. Champion. Mm, wow, actually quite a lot, now. Hmm, but they are adding more because they are taking, like I said, you know, they're taking games from, uh, taking the characters from the or, the League of Legends game. So, yeah. oh, actually, yeah, there's a lot more than thirty. Uh, but they are still bringing in new characters because there are a lot that you know, they are still not here yet. Are yeah. they the same as a Mobile Legend where you have to unlock certain characters? Uh, well, you have to buy them, lah. Okay. So, Okay lah, you have to buy lah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Also, they work the same same kind of economics as Mobile Legends lah, because I think Mobile Legends, you either have to like grind your way to get the the in-game token to buy the buy the yeah. new character, exactly. or I think you can spend money exactly. to get the character. Character. Okay, exactly. it's the same. Same, same, same as Mobile Legends, same as League of Legends as well. Oh, League of Legends has the same concept. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so it probably started from League of Legends, then Mobile Legends, then now only. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now Wild Rift. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, it's very it's different very, from Dota. Very, very different. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. interesting. Okay. Oh, okay. Actually, one, one, one interesting fact that, uh, one interesting thing that pointed out, right, is that you mentioned that these characters of Wild Rift they are generally derived from characters of Mobile Legends. Uh, sorry, uh, of League of Legends, is it? They're actually the exact same. Even the skills? The exact same characters. So this is where it gets interesting. The idea of the skill remains the same. So when I say the idea of the skill, as in if, okay. let's say, a Q button on this character does this, this thing, yeah. on... On the, the first ability in Wild Rift does the same, but there's the, the, the way it differs is certain skills um, change from a skill shot to a one click mm-hmm. to, point, to a point and click. So that's kind of where the changes are. That's kind of where certain things are different. So uh, one character that is a skill shot on the, on League of Legends changes becomes a one click to a click at point and click a skill skill uh, now. So that's kind of where it differs. But other okay. than that, the premise of the characters, they all remain the same. Uh, okay, so when it's converted into a mobile game, right? Because um, it's, 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 it's even more difficult to control the skills, right? As compared to using computer where you got a number of, uh, you got, you got yeah. different keys to, to click on, right? And you got your mouse to help you. Yeah. Where if, with mobile, it's a bit difficult. But they managed to transition that from a uh, computer game to a mobile game. 
Yeah. You see? It's exactly. Cool. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's cool. Actually, because I, I don't see the same way as Dota because not all characters can be played mm, using a phone, you know, because some characters are really complex in that you have to click in, click many keys to activate certain skills. It's very different, huh? I see. In fact, in fact, there's one of these characters as well. Uh, at least at the moment, I think he's one of the few like, that, that, that requires a certain combination in order for it to be successful. Mm-hmm. There are a few others as well that, that, that change skills, you know. Um, what they have done is actually they've simplified it uh, to a certain mm-hmm. point where instead of, where in traditionally you'll probably hit a Q and a W in order to execute that movement, what they've done is you hit uh, the button twice, but it delivers the same thing. Ah, okay. So they okay. kind of adopted that. Yeah. So it, I think it's, what's unique to me is at least is that they took the trouble to kind of refine it yeah. and not yeah. make it a direct copy and paste, but they refine it so that it's playable. It executes a certain way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's good. Okay. Uh, um, I think this week we were just talking about wanting to uh, have have just uh, two topics or one topic each to just discuss and talk yeah. about, right? Because uh, actually I realized, right, <laughs> I, I always want to try to keep the the podcast maybe half an hour, but we usually go beyond that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so interesting and so good, right, that, that we just got so many things to talk about. <laughs> I, I think that kind of helps us more in the sense that because we, we, always, we have so many points of discussion that yeah. even you know, a few months down the road, we want to revisit it, right? It's always an option. Yep, yeah, yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so having said that, do you have anything to anything this week that, that you find interesting? This is something I found interesting for a while, actually. But uh, I haven't really found many people who have thought much about it or think about it. Um, it's called the Players Association. Okay. So in, pro- yeah. in professional football, you have the Footballers Players Association. NBA has it. You know, NFL has it. So what about esports? Now, I mean, as you know, right, these kind of things run better in the league, right? So, like, when you have players association, it's better in the league. So, I think that's possibly why, you know, I'm not sure about Dota. Does Dota have a players association? Uh, no, no. We have, we have so people who are very of... influential, players who are very mm-hmm. influential, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think there is an official association. So, this is kind of where... I caught, caught interested because back a few years back, it was the, well, again, League of Legends, but back in America, North mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. they officially announced the first Players Association. Mm-hmm. So the US Players Association. And the premise of it was to provide a voice for players to provide funding. Um, this is from a quote that Travis Graffert did with Riot. This is from an interview he did. It was said that, it is meant to be a run by players uh, to run and operate, and it's supposed to provide them with services such as legal, business, and help that are helpful for pros and things like that. So, you know, I, it's a great, I, great concept, you know, and it looks at different things. Uh, but why, why I find it very interesting is because when it first launched, there was some backlash regarding to the fact that as a players association, it is funded by right the developers, the judges, and the controllers of the game. Since then, just last year in October, Riot announced that they have they are no longer funding the Players Association. Mm-hmm. Right. So that kind of draws the line between they are no longer funded by their creators, that concept. So it's allowed to run more independently. 
what do you think of this concept that a players association for esports? Okay. Let's start there. All right. Um, my my thought is that it's it's a it's a it's a good step towards players protection. I think in in some parts of um, the world, especially I think in the C region, um, players sign with teams, but sometimes they don't understand the terms. They don't understand the contract because they just want to play, and they're probably not as legally trained as some of the. Uh, uh, other sports mm, uh, if you talk about other sports like football, NBA, they have agents representing them to uh, negotiate a contract on the player's behalf so that, that is also a layer even without the intervention of any players association on, 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 on wanting to uh, uh, look at the contract they have their agents, the players uh, sports, sports players have their agents to negotiate contract on their behalf and that's what protects them um, I see. I see. It's a good step to have uh, players associations for esports, but the problem, right, is um, that there is a need to have the publishers or or the developer to be involved in one way or another. Um, if let's say um, the the publishers or developers are not involved, right? Um, hmm. Hmm. Let me just let me just think this point. Wait, wait. Maybe maybe I retract back what I just said. Mm. I think they can be independent. It's just that where does the funding come from? Uh, would the funding come of 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 running this association come from the publishers? Would it come from um um established organization? The issue with, the issue is that if the funding comes from the publishers, right, then they they can be seen to an um um a uh, probably a bias towards the publishers. If the publishers refuse to refuse to fund anymore, oh, sorry, the publishers can can perhaps can perhaps have some influence in the decision of the players association, the direction they want to take because the funding comes from the publisher. Um, I I think it's still a long way to go to have established teams to come together to 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 set up the players association. Um, but it's a good step, lah. Actually, it, it it moves towards how sports are being run are run, and and players are protected in that sense. I'm not sure if I make sense here, lah, because I'm just thinking on the fly here on, on that. I know that players are definitely some players, most players actually are actually being uh, exploited because they just want to play and they don't have a they don't have a standard. Of uh to stand as uh, industry standard in terms of the contract, and that's a problem. Where other sports they have industry standards. Mm. So 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 when you mention that but that riot stops fund has stopped funding the players association, um, do you know what happens after that? What happened after that? Well, to the last from what I've heard, or at least based on Travis Graffert, who actually followed this story relatively closely, uh, that was back in October. So it wasn't too far, too long ago. Mm-hmm. It was that mm-hmm. there are agreements being in place by the president of the Players Association, uh, who is now attempting to say that there is funding in place. But be that as it may, this is uh, based on his own statement from the president, stating that there is enough funding to get them through the next calendar year, even <laughs> after the withdrawal. All right. So... I'm not sure what to make of that statement, uh, uh, but that, that's interesting. I think 
what you have raised uh, earlier just now was, was kind of the point of where the backlash came when Riot was funding the Players mm. Association because it, it, it tracks from the purpose of considering how the players are independently able to negotiate their terms. I mean, Riot controls the league. It controls who enters the franchise. It controls, the, mm. it controls mm. who the franchisees are. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are. So there is a very widespread... They control the game. Mm. <laughs> At the very essence of it, they control the game. They control the coaches. They control everything else that we see on face value. So there's a lot of control for somebody who's funding a place association for the players, which is intended to be independent. Which, well, on one hand, I think it's a good step that Riot has stepped away from funding the players association. Um, what comes next is probably how they impl- how they make use of it. Um, this is That comes to the next portion of the question is, you know, um, the feedback is that it has been a disappointment. That is a general consensus from what I've understood is that the players association as a front or as an association has not lived up to what is expected. But you have raised a very interesting point just now as well in the sense that the disappointment probably doesn't stem from what they have done, but rather what what they are being compared to. Like how you talk about how football associations have a lot more in place. I was just looking at the Football Association, uh, Football Players Association. There are retirement funds, retirement schemes, there are representations all over the league and things like that. This is something probably that this is not has not encapsulated as well. Uh, do you think that moving in this direction would benefit that lead? Number one and number two, whether that co- whether that collective bargaining power that is supposedly inherent there is beneficial beneficial for the league as a whole. Yeah, I think for sure. Um, okay, so so even when I run my team. Um, back in 2019, 2018, when I started off, uh, when I start to approach players, right, they, uh, they, they, and I want to to have a fair value, lah, you know, uh, when they play for for my team, but there's just no industry standard to to look at, you know, like okay, how much to pay, how much to pay you, uh, whether there's allowance, what about the price pool, price money, um, so so having a place association, right, to to set some form of standards, ah. Uh, would be a good step moving forward for all players to follow. And in that sense, there is no, no sense of um, unfairness or, 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 or treated, treated to, um, to be uh, unjust like, in terms of the uh, contract with, the, with whatever team that you, do, you uh, sign with. Um, so I, as, as, an indus- as an industry as a whole, uh, to have a players association to 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 set a standard and to negotiate you know, some form of um, minimum term for a professional player to be to be um, to be in the in 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 the in the contract, uh, I think it's very important so that the player knows what they 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 sign to they sign on to the team also understands that okay if I want to enter into this game this is uh, this is this is what I have to fulfill. These obligations what I have to fulfill. At the end of the day, everybody um, 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 knows what their responsibilities and obligations are. And in the long run, this would only be beneficial to the industry as a whole. Uh, the teams, the organizations, the players—they all understand. Um, and that's why I think that um, if best that. Um, that the publishers can actually somehow be involved as well, so that they also mm, um, mm, can 
uh, help or regulate um, the, 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 the terms, they can, they can regulate, they can ensure that, that the, their ecosystem that they are creating would be beneficial for all parties. Yeah, that's what I think. But, but having said that, um, who, who to start, who to start the Players Association and, and how to start, how to begin with, it's, it's a really difficult thing to do, like I see. I think that brings a very interesting point, which leads very nicely to our, my next question is when you bring it closer to home, so let's talk about Malaysia, yep. right? No such thing as an esports association. Now we spoke about, we talk about, I use, I use this example from the base association in America, but that's only for League of Legends, right? So that we talk, we don't talk about the other game. Now, as we've already established earlier is that, you know, Dota doesn't have a similar concept because of how they run their tournaments, how they run their, the, the way they think the league is being run. So let's bring it closer to home. Would uh, uh, esports association, let's say for example, Malaysian Esports Association, that encapsulates all esports players in Malaysia, how do you think something like that could push the industry in Malaysia? Okay, I think or there is the impact of such a thing. I think there is actually uh, an esports players association for Malaysia. Um, they are called MESPA, uh, Malaysia Esports Players ah. Association. Right. Um, having said that, um, I think they, they, they were established, I think about two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, two, three years ago. Um, to be frank, I've not been following their, their news. So I'm actually not very sure of what they have um, done for the esports players for Malaysia. Uh, I think, and, and that's the problem, right? You can, you can set up, you can set up an, an esports players association all you want. Anybody can set that up. But whether or not you have actually have power or authority over teams, you have authority, you have, you have power to make decisions on behalf of the players. Um, um, I, don't, I don't see there is. Lah. You, it is just an association and with the hope of gathering um, many, many esports players to come together and then, they, and then in the hopes of um, mm, uh, ensuring their rights are protected under the association. But um, however, to date, I mean, uh, I, I've not seen any real um, impact um, done by, by this uh, MESPA, honestly. Mm. Maybe they're doing things behind the scenes. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but but we, we do have that in Malaysia. The problem is it's not effective, you know. And that's why I, that's why I, I say that it's, it's, it's a good step forward, but, but really it's very difficult to, to implement and establish to make any, imp- any sort of mm. impact, really. I mean, what can the association do, right? What can they do? They can just prob- if if they if they see to if they see some form of unfairness, unfair treatment um, um, towards a player, what what sort of power do they have, right? They they can probably just uh, issue a statement to say, oh, we condemn this sort of behavior, and that's it, right? There's no further action yeah. they can take, you know, and that's the problem. So, I think, yeah, actually, you know, I, I wasn't even aware that Vespa was around. I saw the MEF, which is the Malaysian Esports Federation, which just, uh, which is more of a, more on the corporate side, on the company side, yep, yep. organization side, you know, so that, that is still around. And, and do you think that this issue on that, uh, the, the, at least the esports, 
the MEFAS presence in Malaysia is maybe not as, as, as overwhelming or at least it's slightly underwhelming. Do you think is it could it be potentially due to the low number of esports players in Malaysia or at least the low number of professional esports players? Mm, I think I think I think there's there's three three issues to, to uh, here actually. Number one, yes, as you rightly pointed out, uh, I think there's just low number of professional esports players around in Malaysia that 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 probably is because because of the low numbers, then the influence is not so strong. Um, the second issue is that there is just not much um, uh, 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 action that an association can take apart from issuing or releasing a statement to, to condemn certain behaviors. Um, and I think that the, the biggest issue, right, and, and where, I, where I probably... Um, uh, mentioned earlier is that I think there needs to be um, an uh, affiliation with the respective publishers of the games. The reason is this: the when when the publishers or developers they acknowledge they acknowledge this association, this particular esports player association, to be protecting the players. If let's say there's any unfair treatment or or uh, towards any esports player. The association can take it up with directly with the publisher or the developer. The developer who has control of the game and control of the, all the tournaments that they organize, they can take action against these teams who are unfairly treating uh, their players. And that's, that's sort, that, that is the sort of punishment or the deterrence right? that, that the teams, teams would have to take aware of. So that if they want to participate in this particular game, then they have to recognize that um, they should treat the players fairly uh, and and properly, and also to and also to make sure that the esports player association don't have any issues lah, with with them treating their players. Mm. And that and that's where I see then the impact is this player association they come in. And that's where I can see an impact. But without that, right, without any affiliation with the developers, right, then the association can merely issue a statement to condemn, but, that's, but then that's about it. Two weeks later, right, I can assure you everybody will forget about, about what happened. So that's the problem. So, so I see that um, maybe... Um, I'm not sure how they, they, they run it in... in in US with with their ties with Riot Games, but if that had happened, the case right, if let's say a players the player association in US had made a complaint against this particular team, then then they can raise it up with Riot. Riot can disqualify them for for whatever reasons, like for the unfair treatment towards the players, mm-hmm. or um, they can rather not disqualify them, but but um, find them or punish them in certain way or form. So then, that's that's that impact to make sure that to make sure that the team treats the players well. Do you have a do you have a do you have a view on this? Well, my view is that well, I don't really have a view actually. I'm just because I found this very interesting in the, mm. the essence that the, the the representation that was intended to give and how uh, this impact or at least how this is trying to be translated to 
the normal esports, and it's just not something that I, I think. Like for example, Mesh Mesh being around and things like that, it's not something to do with the fact that Mesh has been present, or rather that they have not attempted. It's rather I think it's something that is being felt globally. Like I said, even the most fully funded players association in NALCS, who says that even with the even with being informed that there is a stop of funding, they have enough money to run for the next calendar year, is the first reaction that I've that, that based on the interviews done by Travis Crawford is is that it was disappointing. Shows mm. that it is not something that is being that is not something that is um, wrong with the funding or wrong with players. I think it's it's how we are shifting from what a traditional players association provides in sports, and how we or how as the esports association, how is that supposed to look like? You know, it's setting new thresholds, uncharted territory on its own right. And um, as you pointed out, rightfully pointed out on the certain aspects of. Being able to give support with the from the developer side of things, getting the communication from developers, getting the communication from players, from the teams, and having be able to watch their backs in terms of finances, how to how to pay them, and things. I think that's kind of the essence of where we are differing from traditional sports. The rate that we go through tournaments, the rate that we go through leagues, is significantly different. A football a NFL runs only for a couple of months a year, a few months a year. I think we believe from August up to about February. Mm-hmm. EPL runs from September to April, uh, August, I believe. May, May, right? So that's a long period for per season. But you look at traditional sports, you know, or at least look at our esports. You know, we have leagues for League of Legends. We have a summer league, spring league, and then in the yeah. middle we have global tournaments yeah, here and there. Yeah. Look at Dota, where you have regional tournaments which do not exactly work on a particular schedule, and then following that you have majors. There's a lot of different elements of how the how the games are being run, how duration of the league is being run. It could be a could be consistent one-off tournaments, like CS:GO. The the difference in all these leagues makes it that they, they, there's a requirement or there's a threshold that every single person who's in that players association must be able to encapsulate everything, right. must be able to have the sufficient support to know. For example, if we get a, a CSGO player comes in to the PA to look for help, you're not going to use a, a LOL or Dota player's contract as a operative margin because correct, correct. they're not going to work. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I think that is kind of where we need to differ from what is traditionally the purpose of a PA and also where the PA direction is moving, at least I will use the word moving in terms of eSports, where the direction we're heading as a purpose of a PA. So what can be the solution, though, if, if that's the case, right? Um, um, esports games can be established. Um, a popular esports games can be established maybe once every five years, let's say, right? Um, and then there's always different games coming up and different games will di- yeah. slowly die out, right? Um, mm. So what's the solution here? Are we, are we supposed to establish a players association for, for each game respectively? Or can we establish a one players association where it it tries or it tries its best to understand which ones are the more popular ones in in the region and then to to have uh, relevant uh, experts to be representing them in the players association as much as i would like to say that there is an answer for that i think the fact that we are going through a phase in uh, we have a national players association here in malaysia mm-hmm. we have a legal legend specific Association in America, I think as much as we want a straight answer, it is still a testing ground. 
I think it is still saying that what works best, what is achieving the best result. Um, but at the same time, I also think that it, it really depends on the premise or the definition of what we're going to call as players association. Are we providing, what are the services that yeah. have to be provided? Yeah, yeah. And, and mm. we are both lawyers from a standpoint that when we look at a legal document, yes, we need to be aware of the concept of the game. We need to be aware of the circumstances surrounding the tournament phase. But the, the, the terms of the contract, whether it's fair or unfair, is relatively standard. In, to a certain to a certain nature, for example, you know how much percent of the tournament fees. It's it, it, it's relatively what is fair to the client, to the player, and to the company. That's where the agreement comes in. Yeah. But in terms of being not being able to be cheated on, being not be able to be built upon, that is kind of where I believe the players' association can provide that support, rather mm-hmm. than saying that it's a game. Um, in terms of getting in contact with developers, that would really highly depend on the player association. For example, maybe like in Malaysia, we may need to establish key contact persons with about with Brian. You know, it can be the same person, it can be a different person, but the, I think the main premise is we must have there must be a certain individual that is uh, a mm-hmm. key contact person with these individuals. Meaning that if this is a problem with this league, okay, I come to the PA. We have a direct contact with this guy. We'll call you. We'll call this person now. That could be a solution for a country base, uh, for country based PA. For mm-hmm. things like the League of Legends PA, it could be things like having uh, having an observer from the developers from Riot sit in. Like he doesn't hold voting rights. He doesn't have any position. But the main reason is for him to sit as an observer or as a as a honorary member, but only on the mm. premise that there's no voting rights. There's nothing. He's there to yeah. report and, and update Riot and on the same way around. So I think as much as it is a testing ground, as much as it is a new area, we're still figuring out what works. But yeah. this is what I would say would be the key features to where the PA will stand, providing support, provide, providing contact information. I think as you, I think you can, you have experienced this now as well, you know, there are certain times where the div- contacting developers is a chore, even for pro players. Even for YouTubers, if you're not a big time YouTuber, you can't get directly to YouTube. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is where the PA can come in, being efficient, establishing that, contact already with the developer, with the, with the tournament organizers. You know, any tournament that's being organized must agree to a certain PA guidelines, providing certain yeah. transport yeah. rights and things like that. So these are the kind of things where I believe that the PA can be, can start somewhere, you know. Mm. Right? Not necessarily regulating, but having that support. I think PA is generally more having the support. Regulating will leave it to the MEF, let's say. Yeah, you mentioned that develop. You mentioned that one one good way is that the developer having someone to to sit in as an honorary member, right? Uh, that's also subject to the developer um, uh, seeing that there is actually a potential in the particular market, right? If there's no if right, yeah is. yeah if there's no if if they see no no real uh, revenue revenue generating um, 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 potential, perhaps they may not even want to invest anyone to to sit sit in on their behalf. Right, so, so that's an issue right there. Yeah, actually, actually, having said that, right, I think it's very interesting that I'm actually looking at the MassPAL website. Maybe I'll try to get in touch with someone to to see if they can sit in to, to talk and discuss about what they have actually done in, in MassPAL uh, throughout the years. Uh. I think that would be... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see. Great, great. Yeah, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to let's see what we can get out of Mespa and see how, you know, what the impact that they're going to bring if we can actually get in touch with somebody from there. Yep. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to reach out. Let's see how I, let's mm. see if they if they are free. 
Actually, actually, having having mentioned about players protection, players um exploitation, etc., uh, leads on to a good, a nice segue from what I actually posted on LinkedIn a couple of days ago. Um, is that um there is a recently in the Dota two game, uh, someone achieved the highest MMR rating, uh, a Thai player, and he's only eighteen years old by the way, and he's on paper, that means he's the best player in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And what what I noticed, right, is that although he was he is the best player in the game, he's not signed to any team until recently. Mm-hmm. Until recently, he signed to a team. Right. He was he was recently picked up by a team, but right. throughout the season, this season, he he wasn't playing for any particular team. Mm. He's 18 years old and I checked out his profile. He has joined uh this this new team, T1. Maybe is T1 mm-hmm. is T1 big in Lola? I think they are. Oh, they 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 currently hold the only three time back to back winners okay. in the world. <laughs> Alright, so T1 uh, they have, it's Yeah, okay. T1 signed 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 this player in there for their Dota mm. 2 roster. And what I noticed is that this eight is only 18 years old. And this is his seventh team, like professional team, semi-professional professional team. And that's where I see the issue, right? I'm not sure whether you see it the same way as me. Um, an 18 years old, uh, joining so many teams in such such a such a young age, right? And I don't I don't think we see that in any other sports. Um, where 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 some someone is so young, if let's say you talk about football, right? Um, they would they would more likely than not just stay in one club, develop themselves in one club, and then try to establish themselves into playing for their first team, right? Um, but in esports, it's very different. I think esports is um, for some teams they are all about winning. If you don't win, then we got disband, and we got to pick up new players, which I see that's the huge problem in the sustainability of the industry as a whole. Um, the players just really don't know when they will be kicked from the team. The teams are, the organizations, tier one and tier two organizations are just more ruthless in in um, terminating these players' uh, services and just go out to the market again and pick up new members to play for their uh, for the team. Uh, I'm not sure what you think. Um, do you do you do you see this? as an issue, a uh, sustainability issue, or, or do you see that as just part and parcel of uh, e-sports industry as a whole? It's very different from sports. I think the first thing that we have to establish, or at least we have to accept, is the fact that when, a, when does a traditional sport play a peak, and when does an e-sport play a peak? Right? Um, you look at, you look at, I mean, you look at football, you look at um, traditional football players, yeah, they will be good. They are called rising stars, probably up to the age of 20, 22. You know? mm-hmm, up to today, mm-hmm. you will see, for example, the Arsenal, uh, Boko Yosaka. He's I think 19, 18, yeah. 19. Yeah, he's yeah. considered a rising star. He's considered somebody who's just breached into the, entered the scene. You know, Comparatively, when you look at somebody who's 18, 19, if you're not already at a pro team or you're not at the academy of a pro team, you might as well scrap that off the agenda for, for career. Uh, a lot of times, for, for esports, you know? So conversely, 
a football player will only look at that probably maybe when he's in his late 20s. Mm. Probably, mm. Oh, by late 20s, if you're not playing for a top tier team, you're not playing for a team that you should consider, you know, doing something else. else. Yeah. Yeah. But in esports, if you're not there by 2021, you then that's kind of the line, some may say, or at least in the professional scene, some may say that's better lines. So I think when we have to consider and accept the fact that esports as a peak is a lot lower than professional sports. You have Buffon playing in goalkeeper for Juventus up to 40-something. Right? 30-something, yeah. The oldest esports player. Mm. Yeah, the oldest esports player we have, I think it's 35. Mm, mm, mm. 36, yeah. I think he's the yeah. CSGO player that recently just got a son or daughter. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. the oldest. Um, mm. Quick shot. This is one of the uh, uh, League of Legends crafters, one of the crafters in um, League of Legends famous crafter. His name is called Quick Shot, right? He likes to make a joke that he's a grandfather or he's a father or old man of the scene. <laughs> That's only because he's been there for 10 years, 10, 15, 12 years. He is old in the scene, but no older probably than his late thir- early 30s. Yeah, all right. So, you know, right. when the peak is, is very different. Coaching, people transitioning to coaches, players transitioning to coaches is a lot lower. You have Ateta, you have John Terry, you have Olego Nashoka, Sosha, Buffon himself, all of Zidane Zidane, they all transitioned to coaches at 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, you know, that age. Mm, mm, We have mm. people transitioning to coaches in professional leagues at the age of 20, 25. In League of Legends alone, I can name a few. Rainover, one of the top, used to be top junglers. you talk about Missy, you talk about, they, they are all professional players no more than three years ago but have transitioned into coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, once we accept that the peak period and the transition period for pro players is different, then we can start looking back as to whether 18 for him for seven years, for seven teams in, in, in the year 18 is a lot. Still, it is a lot. All things said and done, even for a standard player, seven teams is still a lot. But, you know, it really depends on, again, I think that's the other element that plays, comes into place as well, the league itself, how they play. Like we said earlier just now, you know, a football league runs for the most part of a year. As a Dota team, you know, your campaign is also different based on where you've been, yeah, where yeah. you're residing, how, yeah, you can still join, for example, I believe you can still join, you can start campaigning in the middle of June, but if you have enough good players or something like that, you can still get enough points to go to yep. majors to get your points to go to worlds. So that's also very different because you can transition to a different team and still make a run for the end for the end goal. You know, um, so yeah, and also so that's where it's interesting. There's no such thing as transfer season. Maybe that could be a role. That could be a, that could be a factor as well. You know, we don't have a fixed transfer season. We don't have an off season. We have off season where players are allowed to look for. You have for leagues, right? Don't you? We have an off-season. So it's basically, it's not really considered a transfer season, but there is a date in which any offers made to a certain player closes. Uh, that, that kind of, I guess that's a transfer season per se, like, but it's just off-season so, roster changes. Sorry, in that case, if let's say during the season, a player wants to be transferred to another team, are they allowed to do so? Are, uh, are, or can they, can they actually be kicked from the team during the season? They can be definitely put on the bench and they can sign a free agent. Yeah. They have done that multiple times. There are teams which have done that. They have signed so they have signed in a player just to replace a specific player. In fact, okay. one of the teams, 
one of the teams Vitality in the LAC just signed Crownshot a few weeks ago which was a mm-hmm. pro player didn't get signed during the off season mm-hmm. they specifically brought him in to join in the competition and he played straight away mm-hmm. same for another one Origin slash Astralis as well they just brought him in and signed him in um, yeah it, it has happened so they can do that um, but yeah that's why you know taking into account whether it eats a lot whether what whether it's a sustainability issue once we accept the fact that the peak and transitioning period is very low when compared to traditional sports, then we can say that, then that's where I will say that it's part and parcel of the game. It's part and parcel of the esports career. Um, that, that, that it's to a point that the cutoff point is a lot earlier than traditional sports. Yeah, yeah. But one thing to note though, now T1, who arguably has the best Dota player and the best League of Legends player on the same. Oh, the same. are they? Yeah. Today, I mean, today. If, you're, if you're telling me that this guy with the highest MMR is well, this guy, uh, 23 Savage, the best player yeah. in League of Legends is Faker, arguably, by by miles and miles ahead. No, everybody still regards him as the best player of, of League. He's in T1. So, okay. they arguably have the best League of Legends and Dota players in, in the world at the moment. Great. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's a funny thing. That's a funny thing about the game, right? Uh, you can be on paper the highest rated uh, player in the game, but not necessarily the, how do you say, best player um, when it comes to competition. Yeah. Um, I know he's, 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 he's only 18. So um, he still has a lot, lot more years to um, um, establish himself, to, to win tournaments. Um, at this juncture, he, he has not won any um, 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 major or important tournaments. He won a few tournaments here and there, but he has not really established himself as, as um, a feared player. Uh, and, that's, and that's where it differs from sports, right? Um, if you see um, Ronaldo or Messi, you, 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 there's actually no ranking to, to know who is actually the best player, who's uh, on paper. You cannot actually calculate that. But in esports, you're able to calculate, you're able to, to see... On, on paper, who is the highest rated? And that is where teams can uh, leverage on that to try to sign these, these high-rated high, high rated players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which I find also another thing very interesting for players' protection is that what I, what I thought of would be good is that to have actually a transfer season for, 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 uh, for the teams, for a league, in the sense that if, let's say, um, there is one, then the players, at least they know, during the during the season they won't be kicked. So there is a problem with that as well. Um, there, and and it happened a few times too that a player was kicked off the roster after winning a tournament or after qualifying for a tournament. And I, for for whatever reasons, like they they got kicked, and and then those players, right? They got they have no avenue to appeal or to to deal with the situation. All all they they what all they can do is just to accept, just to accept the situation that they got kicked from the roster because four out of the five players agreed that um he should be kicked and replaced with another person. It it actually happened very interestingly in one in one in one team, uh where they qualified for a tournament, um, but they had already had the intention of kicking with that one player. And, mm-hmm. and after, they won the, they, after they qualified for the tournament, 
they immediately kick that player where they actually have another arrangement. They have already made an arrangement with another player to join the team immediately. So it's, it's, it's really um, 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 dirty like, how they do things like that. It's a cutthroat, it's a cutthroat industry. I, yeah. I agree. I think that is kind of where a lot of times... This is kind of where it brings back to, at least for me, because I'm based as in doing employment law. It's very interesting because this kind of puts back to where things like unfair dismissal companies to play. Whether, mm. whether mm. a player is contracted by, whether he's an independent contractor, yeah. whether he was here just for the tournament, or whether he's an employee that actually signed for the team, you know. Mm. And this is this position is being challenged day to day, you know. Look at the recent Uber decision of mm-hmm. that Grab driver. That Uber drivers are officially employees governed under the Employment Act in the UK. I think in London only, right? Or oh, UK, under, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in the Supreme Court in London yeah. has made yeah. that finding, you know. So, if if the Uber drivers who join in the system on an off basis here and there and they're subject to disciplinary proceedings and other things like that, what more about esports players? If they breach a rule within their contract, they're fined a certain amount, they're the question comes back again, you know, plays into your mind whether esports players should be regarded as employees of the organization or yeah, be independent yeah. contractors, irrespective yeah. of the contract that they've signed, right? irrespective of what agreement that they have agreed upon with the organization, whether there is a bot, bot, at the bottom line is whether there is an inherent duty of, of an employer employee relationship. If that is established, then you know we can say things like, oh, then he was unfairly terminated. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was unfairly kicked out from the team. Yeah. And, and this is kind of where I find that esports protection rights, or at least player protection rights, it's kind of lacking because uh, as much as it is, it's, like you said, you know, like you exactly exemplified, it's a cutthroat industry. Mm-hmm. As much as it is a cutthroat industry, people are getting kicked, people are getting removed mm-hmm. based on, you know, on whatever the reason may be. And for a petty reason, like they just don't like the guy, that's kind of where problems arise, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's a cutthroat industry and, you know, it, it warrants a looking into, but at the moment, I think nothing as extreme has landed, been done so far to the extent that the whole industry has been shook. Is that something that you prefer? As in, do you, do you, are, are, you on the, are you on the position that players should be uh, deemed as an employee as opposed to an independent contractor? I believe that there needs to be a distinction when you sign for an organization and when you play, let's say, as a group of friends who just run yeah. a tournament. I think that must be the first distinction to make. You don't sign an agreement when you play with friends to go into a tournament. But when you sign for a professional league, for example, you join, let's say you join the PCS, the, mm. the League of Legends scene in Southeast Asia. I think when it comes to that threshold, then there must be certain things in place to regard you what you are, who you are. You know, in such a situation, then maybe yes, maybe I would take the position that uh, esports players should potentially consider being recognized as employees, considering that when you play in a league such as that, your day-to-day life revolves around the organization, revolves around what the organization says you have to. Right. They are, there's always many documentaries when they talk about gaming houses, you know, there is a regime, a schedule, and these people live by the schedule. If you breach the schedule, it's like a football, you know, if you breach, you don't come for training, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if you're, you're telling me that a person being subjected to that lifestyle is not considered an employee, that I feel warrants a, warrants a deeper understanding of where they stand. Yeah, 
But like I said, it, it, there must be a distinction between that and where, you know, five group of friends come together. Let's make a team name. Let's go and just play under this team. I think that's different. But when you come to a certain threshold of professional competition, professional, not amateur pros, but pro, pro esports players, that's kind of where we need to start drawing the lines or at least exploring where the lines are meant to be. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. That's, that's actually a very interesting point, actually. Um, the, 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 issue, the problem is that um, we, we, see, we, we see no problem if, let's say, an organization with, with a lot of money, a lot of cash flow, um, signing on, t- signing on um, professional players, and then they play for, their, for, their, for that particular team. No issue with that. And I think you, you, you pointed out um, correctly that I think it's to the degree of control of, of an organization to a player that, that can determine whether or not that particular player is an employee or uh, independent contractor in that sense. Um, the issue, right, coming back to reality, uh, that um, there are only a handful of organizations that are able to pay good money for, uh, for professional players. Most of them, most of the teams established in Malaysia or Southeast Asian region, um, just speaking from experience like mine, um, what I have done a um, um, couple of years back was that I actually approached these five players. I told them, okay, I'm going to pay you like 500 ringgit a month as allowance to play for my team. And, and I'm going to set um, some form of schedule for you as well for training, training purposes. Like, okay, I'm going to pay you this money, right? So, um, I hope you can also adhere to the training schedule that that I want you to 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 follow, so that people can they can they can play together and train together. Um, so if if let's say right, if let's say the law determines that in such a case like mine, uh, they are treated as my employee just because I pay them allowance and I give them some form of um, 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 training schedule, then that creates a burden on people like myself to want to actually uh, step into this industry and try to run an organization or run a team. Um, so that's where I think that, that that is the reality for a lot of people actually. Um, actually, honestly, a couple of years ago, I really did see a number of people trying to get into the space as owners, as managers, to just set up a team, pay pay some of these uh, semi-professional or amateur players in the hopes of, you know, um, um, getting getting somewhere. And, and, and that is where the line, right, where you mentioned drawing the line, that is where I think it can be a bit difficult to draw. But I do agree you, like, like for example, like tier one organizations, um, having full control of the player schedule, when they sleep, when they, what they eat, their training schedule, um, attending media, uh, yeah, so so I have no no issues with that being um, um, deemed as employee, but there are there are more more teams that are not not um, established that way. Yeah, so that's the issue really, which which is an interesting interesting point to to look at. Actually, I think it's it's I think that's exactly kind of where this this where this point is that when you draw that distinction, for example, right, look at, you know, remember Hashtag United, you know, how they started off as a group of just players, a transition slowly to professional players, a transition. That transition between small-time five players, friends, or just five 
common players to a professional sport league is very vast, right? What you pay, what you agree to pay them, what is considered an employee, what is considered as a thing, it really, is, at the end, it's subject to what each party is in is in agreement to in, in such a context. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, there should there is it's difficult to draw the line. I completely agree, um, especially when you especially particularly when you come into the um, amateur pro scene, where there is neither big investments, neither is there uh, what at the end of the day that that's where the tricky part is uh, The amateur pro scene, the, the, the just the borderline between full pro and, and, and doing it on a free time. I think that's where the distinction is and. I think it's where I find that there, there is something there that must be at least explored. I wouldn't say investigate, but at least explored to mm, set a solution. Mm. And this is where things like the PA can come in to set. Yeah. Maybe a benchmark. It's not something like a compulsory regulation. But it gives an expectation for both players who, who genuinely want to enter the pro scene to have a form of livelihood or at least a form of, a form of earning without jeopardizing the interest of a organization to say i only want to invest this much yeah yeah now, this Correct. is one of the things that i find that it is a good benchmark to, to to look into for both sides yeah yeah that's that's a good point um so actually that 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 even want me to uh, motivates me to try to find the anybody who can represent mespa to so that we can have a chat with them on on how they see this issue actually uh any final thoughts I'm good for today. We brought out a lot of interesting things that 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 I think Mespa can 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 address for us in the future, hopefully. Exactly. I was I was again hoping that it is less than uh, an hour, but I think right beyond that again. <laughs> but, but but I mean it's a really good thought. Uh. I think I think this kind of sessions, right, actually it also helps me to to develop my my thought process on 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 hmm. certain issues, you know. I honestly appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, me too. All right. Um. Okay. I think I'm gonna head out to lunch now. Have you makan? Not yet. Just about to. Okay. Yeah, we both get makan lah. Hey, thanks so All much, right. man.